With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and uh, he uh, takes our minds and sets it a whirling of what's going up on when we look up at the skies on the weekend and what's going on with uh, NASA. Dr. Sky, Steve, what's going on this weekend? John, good morning to you and all the listeners. This is a great week to talk about so many things, but let's talk first about space. Just recently, we were talking about the DART mission to hit and try to move an asteroid. The results of that will be coming hopefully soon. But another spacecraft that was launched a year ago called Lucy, its mission is a 12-year mission to go out to Jupiter to explore the Trojan asteroids that are on either side of the planet Jupiter by 60 degrees. What happened over the weekend is that that spacecraft zipped once again. It uses an Earth-assist orbit, and people in Australia actually got to see it as a naked-eye object sailing across the sky on its way to Jupiter. But, John, the mystery of the week, this is the big news in this week, in my opinion. On October 9th, scientists recorded the most powerful blast called the gamma-ray burst that they've ever detected from space. This was 2.4 billion light years away, billion light years away. And it was so powerful, John, that it actually induced a current into the Earth. Now, that's amazing because 2.4 billion light years, what say you? I mean, that's almost like uh, mind-boggling to say the least, right? How many miles do you estimate 2.4 light years is? 2.4 billion light years. So the universe, John, is only 13.5 billion years of age, at least from the beginning of time from the big uh, explosion called the Big Bang. But think about this. They think they know maybe where this originated. It's probably a supernova star that exploded. But more than likely, it's something called a pulsar or even a neutron star. And a neutron star, John, is after a giant star explodes, some of these are about six miles in diameter. That's a star, this particular neutron star. Just to give you an idea how powerful the gravity is, if you nudge the Earth up to a neutron star, it would collapse the Earth down to the size of only 1,000 feet. So we're not sure exactly if that's where this came from, but it's one of the most powerful things in the universe. Imagine, John, that energy. I mean, that's something that I think everybody wants to hear about, and that, again, is one of the great mysteries of the week. It's so incredible. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling, don't you think? It's all being discovered with the new uh, NASA satellites or NASA telescopes? Well, they're actually detecting these from spacecraft, and what makes this even more prolific, in my mind, is that we see these little objects occurring in space, little meaning these neutron stars or these supernova, the remnants of exploding stars. But that's so incredible because that means if that object were, say, closer to us, can you imagine what that might do to change the history of the Earth? And they even think that a period some 440 million years ago, we know about the great dinosaur extinction 65 million years ago, there might have been a super powerful blast from one of these gamma ray bursts that actually wiped out life as we knew it then. So it's amazing. But in concluding, John, we always want to share something that people can see in the sky. And this week, Dr. Skies picked something interesting. If you look into the northeast sky just around, say, 10 p.m., Mars, the magical planet, the god of war, John, is bright enough to be seen with the naked eye. It's getting close enough that we can see detail in a telescope. And it gets closest to the Earth back in December, or up to December, I should say. And it's going to be an amazing thing, because we know the next outpost for humans is hopefully going to be Mars. But, John, imagine you and I and the listeners taking a journey. We'd have to be pretty fit, and it would take us nine months just to get there. There's a lot of hazards in space that we have to overcome. 
that people can at least see the planet. And I think that's a great way to talk about great things that we can experience and, what, expand our minds. How's all the equipment that we have on Mars working? Rover's working okay. The problematic thing is they're dependent on solar power. And I talked about this before, that the Ingenuity helicopter actually shut down a while because it probably had a lot of dust on its solar panels. But, John, that's an amazing thing. Yes, it's working. And it's doing flights on Mars. Remember, the surface you know, pressure and atmosphere on Mars is all carbon dioxide. So those rotors have to spin at a higher rate than, say, a regular drone that you and I might buy locally from, say, a little store to have fun with our kids or just do it ourselves. But upon reaching the surface of Mars, we have a bigger problem when we're going to land on Mars. We know that reentry heat shields have to be there to protect them when we come into the Earth's atmosphere. But on Mars, the atmosphere is so thin that we have to have the ability to slow down the spacecraft even more than we would, let's say, on the Earth. And those are problems that we have to face, John, including health issues on the way to Mars. It looks like a promising place that people should be able to go to. And my guess, I know we've talked about it, is probably within the next 10 to 15 years, if we're good at this, and I think there are a lot of people that are, to put humans on the surface of Mars. Amazing stuff. That is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, when's the next moonshot, and what's going wrong with the uh, with, with the uh, rocket that we have uh, that's supposed to have gone up for the last uh, three times? Well, John, Artemis 1 is uh, going to be fixed, or are fixed. The next launch is scheduled for November the 14th. And a lot of people are concerned. They're saying, well, how can Elon Musk get his rockets off the ground? And by the way, his big heavy rocket has done some successful launches in the past. Why can't NASA do it? And that's an unanswered question out there. Some speculate that there's a lot of bureaucracy there. Others speculate that they're doing the best they can. Hydrogen leaks have been the problem that's plagued Artemis. But, John, I'm positive, and I want to be positive here with you and your show and the listeners that I do believe will get this off the ground. And it's the next way, at least for now, other than what SpaceX might do with the, uh, you know, his particular sky ships and things like that to get us to the moon. So let's cross our fingers, pray hard, and just hope that America can do this. And it's good because now we don't have to send uh, American aircrafts up on Russian spacecraft. A long time ago, until we built these Dragon capsules that SpaceX has built and this Artemis, the old, part, the old thing that Russia charged us, get a load of this, was $90 million paid to the Russian government for every seat for every astronaut, American astronaut, that went up to the ISS. So hopefully we'll be able to get this going and reach out and explore the wonders of our near solar system and the moon. Steve Cates, thank you so much for bringing this up to date, and we'll catch up again real soon, and I look forward to talking to you every week. Well, thank you, John, and they can go to wabcradio.com for the Dr. Sky brand, which is, of course, we're proud to have it with you. Thank you. Our podcast and future updates that we're developing for the radio station. Thank you.